You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. All right, we have been talking about the one in front of the book. Uh, <laughs> we've got 66 books of the Bible and uh, the one in the front. What's the name of the one in the front? Genesis. The book in the front called Genesis, the word there, Genesis, actually means the beginnings or the origins. So what we've been looking at is we've been taking a look at the first 11 chapters of Genesis, and today we're going to wrap it up with the bookend of Genesis 12, which is not really all of Genesis, but it is the beginning of part one. Here's a brief look back at Genesis. Uh, it's really broken up into two parts. You've got uh, the beginning of the human race, and then you've got the story of the Hebrew race. And in the first 11 chapters, you have five pivotal stories, five big events that happen. And these are in a historical period where we don't know the dates. And then at chapter uh, 12... The entire thing turns a page and it begins to focus not so much on events, but on people. And there are um, five main people that are associated with the second half of uh, Genesis. And what happens now is it becomes all about a date traceable family that brings us to Jesus the Messiah. So the book of Genesis, those two parts, that's why we're only focusing on the first half. The second half is actually a whole nother series about the life and the family of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So in Genesis 12, the turning point, it's a new start. It is a, the way begins, the way of God, the plan of God to redeem creation begins. The first rung in the ladder begins uh, a paradise. As we talked last week, how the Tower of Babel uh, was God's attempt to, to discourage their attempts to try to reach God apart from him. And from 12 on, it's God building a new tower to us. And so it begins in Genesis chapter 12, it's following a paradise, a loss of paradise, a fall, a reboot. And what is that plan? Well, the ultimate plan of Genesis and Exodus, Deuteronomy, and the rest of the New Testament, uh, Old Testament and New Testament is Jesus. That's the plan. This entire book, all 66 books, are about Jesus Christ. Uh, God implements his counter plot of Satan. John 10, 10 tells us that the thief, that Satan comes to steal, kill and destroy. That's his plot against you. Think about it for just a minute. I want you to think about your family. I want to think about to your husband, your wife, your children. I want you to think for just a moment about your job, about your finances, about uh, your career. I want you to think about your education and Satan has a plot for it. It's to steal, it's to kill, it's to destroy you. He has no other mission other than to steal, kill, and destroy you and the plans that God has for you. But thankfully, the second part of John 10.10 says, but I, Jesus speaking, said, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. That is the message of the entire scriptures, and it begins... In Genesis chapter 12, the new beginning begins with a man named Abram. You might know him later on because his name changes to Abraham. Have you guys ever seen that song? Father Abraham had many sons. 
Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right arm, Father Abraham had many sons. And then you do the whole thing, right arm, left arm, right leg, left leg. And then it's, and then it's uh, um, turn around, sit down. <laughs> so let's all do that right now. No. The most, he is truly the most interesting man in the world. You got to realize that he's the most talked about man in human history outside of Jesus Christ. In fact, just in the Bible alone, he's mentioned over 311 times, 74 times in the New Testament, and 60% of the world's religions claim him as their father. He is absolutely the most interesting, the most famous man on the planet outside of Jesus. We are on the edge of a new beginning, and we can learn a lot from Abraham. A few things about uh, our new beginning, as I told you this morning, is that things don't always happen the way that we plan, but they didn't happen with Abraham the exact same way. So we're going to learn a lot about our story through Abraham's story. It starts with an odd beginning. You see, Abraham was the son of a gypsy. They called them nomads. They were wanderers. They were people that didn't have a land of their own, but basically just traveled the land and squatted wherever they wanted. He was a family of nomads. He had a barren wife, and his family worshipped false idols. He was raised in a place called Ur. So, you know, like when you can't think of what you say, Ur, 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 that's where he's from. That's how (laughs) he's from the place you don't even remember. In fact, he's just outside of what was now Baghdad, but last week we talked about the Tower of Bible. It's, It's outside of where Babylon is. He's in this town called Ur, uh, which is in modern Iraq today, born into a nomad family, called out of Babylon. His family uh, it comes from a long line of idol worshipers. He was born into a very spiritually dark family. When I, when I say that, I mean, nobody in his family sought the face of the Lord. Some of you are complete standouts from your family. Thank God we have families here that love Jesus and serving God together. But we have young people in our youth group, and we have some of you that have taken a path that's completely in a different direction than the spiritual upbringing that you came from. And that's an odd beginning for a man who becomes the most interesting, most famous man in the world. Why would God pick Abraham? He seemed to be, if there was a job application and there was a resume that we could submit For God to say, God, here's my resume of usability. I uh, grew up in a Christian family, and I've I've never done anything bad. Uh, I went to Bible school, and, you know, I've never had marital problems, and I've never smoked, I've never got drunk, I've never did drugs, I've never lied, I've never cheated. Well, first of all, you'd be a liar just by saying you never lied and cheated. But for the most part, you must say, I'm a good person, God. Here you go. Now, I want you to know something. God can still use you too, so that's good news. Because God doesn't just use the the people who you don't think. He also will use the people who've been honored, uh, who've been uh, faithful to the Lord as well. 
So this is not like a, I'm more qualified than you because I'm a drug addict or I'm, you know, I cheated on my wife, so God, I'm first in line. That's not the idea here. But I want you to write this down. Is it something to consider is that God does like to pick the unlikely. He does. He likes to pick the unlikely person, whether it's from a family that doesn't serve Jesus or a family that does serve Jesus, but you're the quiet one in the group. It doesn't, doesn't matter. God likes to pick the unlikely. You see, your past does not determine God's ability to redeem your future. Your background gives God a platform for a miracle. You see, even look at Moses. You guys know the story of Moses. We think Charlton Heston, you know, is the perfect, but let my people go. And you think, man, that's, man, he must have been a great speaker. He wasn't. You guys, if you know the story of Moses, he had every reason why he was the most unqualified person that God would pick. Unlikely. He stuttered. He didn't speak well in front of people. He was a murderer. He was a, a fugitive uh, on the law, uh, on the run from the law. He was a, a shepherd. He doesn't have any life skills. And, and I'm, why did God pick him? Because God likes to take the unlikely because it gives him a platform for a miracle. See, some of you need to realize that God loves to work in the most hopeless and helpless situations because that's where he gets the greatest glory. Because if you're able to do it, then you get the glory. But if you're not able to do it, God gets the glory. So God loves to pick the unlikely, but it is an odd beginning, but he's given an amazing mission. Check this out in Genesis 12 too. It says, this is the mission that he gives to Abraham. He says, I will make you a great nation that becomes later on the Jewish nation, the Hebrew nation he says, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all the people, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you, man, this was the start of a brand new tribe. This is the start of what is to become the Jewish race that will bring us eventually the Messiah. Guys, listen, Jesus wasn't white. Jesus wasn't black. Jesus was Jewish. This is his family tree. It begins with Abraham and began right here. The promised one, the redeemer, Jesus, it begins right at that verse. I will make you a great nation, the Hebrew people, and through you, the world will be blessed. See, Abraham, he says, you will be the, something, uh, you will be the beginning of something brand new that will change the world forever. Man, what an amazing mission, but an amazing responsibility too. I mean, when God gives us a mission that is amazing, you got to realize that with that comes an incredible amount of responsibility. I want you to, I want you to listen to this verse. We'll break this down. This is a great promise. He says, I will make you a great nation. That's the Jewish nation, the Hebrew nation. And I will bless you and I will make your name great. He is to this day the most famous person in all the world outside of Jesus, 60% again of all the world's religions started with this verse right here. Well, who are these religions? Well, uh, Christianity, Judaism, and Muslim, they make up uh, 60% of all the world's religions. And all three of those groups claim Abraham as their father. He says, you will be a blessing. 
And I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. See, God said, I will look after you, and I will look after your descendants. He says, and all the people of the earth we bless through you. So that word blessing there is barakah. That barakah. And that basically, it's a loaded word. It doesn't just mean you'll have a good day. Here's what it means. It means the word barakah means that you will bring peace, that you will bring grace. You will be a generous gift that through you will change everything. Think about that for a minute. That this great, generous gift of peace and grace will come through you, Abraham. And we now know that that is fulfilled in the Messiah. That's the, that's the beginning of the Messiah's life right there. Pre-existent Jesus has been around for eternity, but the story of his human race, his humanity begins right here. It's Jesus. Something to consider. Like Abraham, we too are blessed to be a blessing. Guys, I want you to realize this. Everything from this point forward that Abraham has given is given to be a blessing to those around him. And Abraham begins to understand that and he lives like that. And because of that, God begins to bless him more and more and more. Guys, listen, you have been blessed with a couple of things. First of all, you've been blessed with Jesus. Man, if you have bowed the knee to Jesus Christ and you've said, Jesus, here's my life, I receive your forgiveness, and and you become a follower of Jesus Christ, guess what? You've been given the greatest miracle, the greatest blessing on the planet, and now you are called to be the world's barakah, to bless the world with peace and grace and give them the generous gift of Jesus Christ. You are blessed to be a blessing. And you're also, because of that, in many ways, blessed in other ways as well, whether it be financially or with material possessions or opportunity. Those are blessings that God gives you for the sole purpose of being a funnel, a blessing to others around you. And unless we miss, if we don't get this, if we miss this, then you will be denying the very purpose and reason in which you are blessed. Everybody say, I am blessed to be a blessing. The mission God gave us is like Abraham. It points to Jesus, every God mission to bless the community, to bring life change to the hurting. So, Man, an odd beginning, an amazing mission, and now a great start. Abe had a great start. Let's check check it out in Genesis chapter uh, 12, verse 4. It says, so Abram, he just heard this mission, verse 3. Now verse 4, he says, so Abram went, and the Lord had told him, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. That's his nephew. He comes up later on in Genesis. Um, and... Abraham was 75 years old when he set out for Haran, which, by the way, there's no age limit on when God is done with you, okay? And the, there's no, like, age requirement on when God can begin to use you either. So it's important to know. I mean, one of the youngest, most influential people in the Bible is a king who became king at, at, at a, as a junior hire. And he changed the world. He was, in fact, he's the one responsible in the book uh, of the Old Testament for bringing us the Bible as, because it had been lost and he accumulated it back. And our earliest copies of the Bible go back to his, this junior hire's decision 
to get the nation back on track with God. There's no timetable or age requirement for when God can use you, and there's no cutoff date when God stops using you. Isn't that good to know? That means as long as you're breathing air, whether you're on a machine or breathing it on your own, God is still able to use you. That's why I feel the sanctity of life is always something that we must treasure and that we should never give up on life. Because as long as you're alive, God says, I am able to still change the world through you. Okay, he was 75 years old. He takes his wife, he takes his nephew and his family, and he goes to Canaan. Now look at the map over my head. Uh, Canaan is what is is what later becomes down the road, thousands of years later, Israel today. So he goes to Canaan, that's the land that God gave him. He goes to a place called Bethel, and there's two mountains in the Bethel area, and he goes to the place called Bethel, and God tells him, he says, see all this? <laughs> he says, this is going to be yours. He goes to uh, to Bethel. God tells him, this is it, your family. And he says, remember, uh, Abraham has no kids. And he has a wife that is a senior as well. And she's barren and she's never had any kids. And God told Abraham, you're going to have children. And not, not your extended family, but you, Abraham, and your wife are going to have children. They're going to change the world forever. So 75-year-old Abraham and his senior wife go to this mountain. And God says, Sees all this, see all this, Abraham? Your family's going to live here. Think about that for a minute. He has no kids. And God says, this is where your family's going to be. Now, what he's looking at becomes Israel today. So he built an altar, and he begins to worship, and he calls out to the Lord, and then he goes to the Negev Desert, and then to Egypt. Uh, verse 8 says, From there he went on toward the hills of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east, and there he built an altar to the Lord, and he called out on the name of of the Lord. This is the mountain next to the place that is uh, the city of Bethel. So he sees it. God says, you see it, Abraham? One day. Think about that for a minute. We had kind of an experience like that over the, over the last couple months, right? We showed pictures of the place we were supposed to be moving to next week. I don't know if that's the place that God has for us one day, but I'll tell you what, sometimes God will say, hey, here's the vision one day. Just walk with me. Just trust me. One day, this will be yours. But he tells Abraham very specifically, but not now. Trust, wait, and walk with me. And his journey with the mission starts great. You know, some of you are in a very similar position in your home or in your work or in that job. And, you know, you're in a, maybe you're a young couple and, or, or you're a single adult and you see a family and you're like, I want that, Lord. And God says, one day. Or you look at your marriage and you know it's, it's far from where you'd like it to be. And God says, man, just walk with me. Trust me. One day. You look at your children and you're like, when are they ever going to, are they ever going to serve you, Jesus? Are they ever going to follow you, God? God says, trust and walk with me. Because one day, you know, this is so powerful, y'all, because sometimes the mission is, is amazing, but sometimes God says just one day, just trust and walk. He will show us the mission or the vision. He'll let us even, he'll even let us touch it. He walked in the land. God says, you like it? One day. 
Something to consider. We will not always see the end result of God's plan until we are in it. You know, we had a, three phases of our relocation. Uh, we have the move, the venue, and the vibe, right? The initial relocation, and that's kind of where we're at right now. We're trying to secure a place and get that relocation established and get our church in a healthy place where we continue to, to fulfill the mission that God has for us. And, uh, you know, that mission is very clear. It's very solid. But, you know, we may not see it in, until we're in it. You know, I'm one of those guys, I don't know if I'm going to, you know, you know, the whole thing's I'll believe it when I see it type of thing. God says, you know, it's the other way around. You got to believe it and then you'll see it. Trust me, walk with me and, and just wait, you know, and, and, and I've got to believe that God is saying this will happen, but not all right now. And, and I'll be honest with you, and this is the scary part. Sometimes it will happen, but we won't see it. You know, um. You know, my mother passed away uh, uh, several years ago, and my father passed away several years ago. And, and uh, you know, my mother's prayer was for her children to serve Jesus. And uh, my brother was just a, a reckless renegade, a wild child his whole life, dealing drugs by the time he was in fifth grade and a full-blown addict and a drug runner and all these men in and out of jail and prison and uh, it caught up to him. His lifestyle of addiction and abuse of drugs caught up to him, and he died at 42 of cancer related to alcohol and drug abuse with massive tumors in his throat, tongue, and uh, neck. And And at 42, he passed away. But uh, he had a girlfriend who was a crazy wild girl, too, who ended up giving her life to Jesus. And they weren't dating anymore. But she called me because I, I saw him just before he died. We we had left just just previously. Uh, I was going through my cancer treatment at the time, but she contacted us and she said, you know, when he was rushed to the hospital uh, and his body was shutting down, she said he was cognitive. And this is what she said. She said that she prayed the sinner's prayer with him and that he gave his life to Jesus. I've got to trust that that is right. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. But I got to trust that that's what he did. I, I hope he did. But if he did, my mother never lived to see it. But if he did, she saw him the next day. She saw him that day, right? The day that he passed away. She's like, what? I didn't have any idea. I've been praying for you. God told me this would happen, but I didn't know. Because sometimes we're, we're given that mission, and, and, and sometimes we won't see it. Sometimes it's after we're gone or somebody else gets to reap that harvest or, or we lay the groundwork. And, and that's a part of what Abraham had to accept as well. Now, I believe we're going to see the mission of the vibe. That's not what I'm saying. But there are some aspects of, of the mission that God has for us that we're just laying the groundwork for that your kids are going to do. You know, I invest so much of my heart and passion to our young adults because I've, man, they are going to be really taking our church in the next 10 years completely over. They're going to take it over, y'all. And our teenagers, they're taking it over. And we're laying the groundwork for a church that they're going to take over. So they're leading now, but eventually they're going to take over. And so we may not see it all, but we know the mission is real. And we're touching it, and God says, just hold on, just wait and watch. Okay? Okay? I wish the story ended there, but it, but it doesn't. There's a, big, there's a big stumble. Take a look at this. 
Abraham, uh, Abram at this point, begins to have trust issues. There's a big problem. In Genesis 12.10, a famine breaks out in all the land. So he decides that the best place to, to go uh, when there's famine in the, in the land, in the fields, is to go to the big city. So he goes to the biggest metropolitan city at the time. He goes to Memphis. And I'm not talking about Memphis, Tennessee. I'm talking about Egypt. He travels to the great cities of Egypt because there they have food. But when he gets there, he comes up with a very bad plan because apparently Sarah, even though she was a senior, she must have been some sort of hot mama because Abraham was worried that everywhere he went, that men would try to steal his wife. So in order to ensure that she wouldn't be stolen or that he would be killed for her, he said, now listen, honey, when we get in there, just tell me you're my sister. How many of you women would go for that? Like, let them kill you. <laughs> if you can't claim me as your wife, let them kill you. But he says, let them, just tell them you're my sister. Well, this was the, the start of several missteps for Abraham. And um, eventually, if you read in the story there, um, he didn't do this just once. He did that particular thing twice. And he also had some other stumbles where he would stray off and the guy would just rein him back in. But this is, this was a big stumble right off the top. He's like, he start, he's feeling the pressure, the financial pressure. In his case, it was famine, which is a financial pressure for us today. And when there's financial pressure, what do we tend to do? Get sneaky. We, we start to lie. We start to compromise our values We start to cut corners and start doing things behind the scenes to just make ends meet. That never honors God, ever. This was, you know, it looked to pay off at first, but soon it broke a a needed relationship trust that actually comes back to hurt him later on in the Genesis story. Here's the error of Abraham. Do whatever it takes. See, there's a problem In business, there's a problem in our life that we think that if God has called us to do something, that we should do whatever it takes because God gave us this great mission. Or because we're God's kids, or if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you might think, well, I'm a Christian, so I should do whatever it takes to ensure that that I'm blessed or taken care of, and I deserve it, or it's a corrupt system, or people work, it's unfair, it's unjust, or, you know, we see it in the business world all the time. God does not honor this type of behavior. And as we see here and at other times with Abe, he doesn't honor it with him. We do the same thing that since God tells us to go, nothing can stop us. Cutting corners, a little dishonesty, being sneaky. But if it does not honor God, God will not bless it. And will usually slow down the mission as it does with Abraham. Because of his constant missteps, it slows down the fruition of God's mission through Abraham. Something to consider, and I want you to write this down, is we must always be led by the mission of God and the character of God. In Abe's story, it seriously affects the people around him. We cannot and will not be dishonest or unethical. 
Cutting corners affects others. The issue this week has a lot to do with this issue. And this is, this is the, one of the reasons why I chose to, to do this message this week, even though it's not a last service, you know, hoorah message. It is, uh, this is the reason why I kept this message. And that's because we, are, we were looking at getting into a relationship with people that were finding out maybe are not very ethical, that lack character. And the Lord has exposed that to us, shined a light on that before we get into a contractual, full-on obligation. Now, we thought the contract was secure, and that's some things that we're going to have to be talking about in the next week or so. But I think the Lord is saying, hey, I'm looking out for you because we are to continue not just in the mission, but in the character of God as well. Ethics and character matter. So after a debacle in Egypt, this is what happens with Abraham. He just stumbled. He just lied. He tried to basically almost sell off his wife because he was giving his wife. Here's the scenario. Honey, you're pretty. You're a hot mama. So I'm going to tell people that you're my sister. Otherwise, they'll kill me and take you. So just tell them you're my sister and I'll let them have you. In the story... (laughs) A political leader takes her, Pharaoh, and basically is tormented through dreams and says, take her and get out of here. The Lord protected her, not Abraham. And it comes back to bite Abraham in the butt later on. But the point is, sometimes we even prostitute out our own passions and loves in order to get what we want. And guys, listen. Character matters just as much as the mission. So after that debacle in Egypt, Genesis 13, 3, Abraham went up from Egypt to Negev with his wife and everything he had, uh, with everything he had, and Lot with him. Verse uh, uh, 3, um, that was 2 and 3. And then uh, from the Negev, he went from the play, uh, if he went from place to place until he came to Bethel. That's the place he built that, that altar and worshiped. He says, to the place between Bethel and Ai where his tent had been earlier and where he had first built an altar. Guys, listen, you can circle this. There, Abraham called on the name of the Lord. Something Abraham does a lot. When he loses his way, he makes his way back to Bethel. When he loses his way, He goes back to that place of surrender and commitment and humility. See, on the mountain of Bethel, he could see the promise that God had given him. But he, more than that, he found the presence of God's security and confidence. That place of worship and calling on the name of the Lord. I want you to write this down, something to consider. Sometimes you need to go back to go forward. Sometimes you need to go back to go forward, back to your faith, back to your first love, Jesus, back to that moment in your heart when God met you and you called out to him. Here's something cool. You know what the word Bethel means? That's not an English word. It's a Hebrew word. You guys ready? You know what Bethel means? Bethel means in English, house of the Lord. Sometimes you need to just get back to the house of God and call out to the Lord. You know, some of you guys, you, you, you stumble, you lose your way, and, and, and you just kind of, 
you, you, you lose track, you find yourself in Egypt compromising your values in a position you had once before, and you find yourself in, in the pressures of the community, of, of the culture, and, and, and you start prostituting out your, your own ideas and your values, and you start giving up on the, the people that you love, and, and you start just kind of letting go of what you held true. God says, come back to Bethel. Get back to that place on your knees where you can call out to the Lord again. Go back before you can go forward. I want to end with this verse that I skipped in Genesis chapter 12. I skipped verse 1 of chapter 12. And it's the first step in seeing God work in your life. And it was Abraham's first step to his new beginning. And this is the step. Genesis 12 verse 1, it says, And the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country your people, and your father's house to the land I will show you. See, the shocking thing is that for him to be blessed and for him to be a blessing to others, he must leave the routine of his comfort and everything he knows. He can't stay where he's at and be the blessing God's called him to be. I mean, this is not about you leaving living way. It's about us leaving our comfort and following what God has called us to do as a family. Guys, listen, he has to depart into the unknown. He has to leave his comfort. He had to leave his security and go into a place of uncertainty. From what you have as familiar into a place of more questions than answers, that's us for us today. That's us today. God is telling us that, guys, there's going to be more questions than answers moving forward in the next week, two weeks, couple months but we know what God's called us to do. We know the mission. We know the vision. And God's even let us see it and touch it a little bit from here and there. And he says, just hold on. Just wait. Just keep walking. Make sure you stay in Bethel. Stay in the house of God and call out to me and just trust and follow. But you got to go. You got to take that step of faith saying, God, I will do this. I like what God tells him. He says, go, dot, 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 and I will show you. Go, and I will show you. Go, and I will show you. Not you will know before you go, but just go. Why does God want us to step into the unfamiliar before he shows up in our life? And I think this goes back to why, and Hebrews tells us this is why, Abraham was the man that he picked, even though he was an odd selection. Because Abraham had faith. Abraham had faith. God called Abraham to a place he had not been and had not seen. Abraham obeyed by faith. And we are the fruit of that faith. The Bible says, you know that song earlier, Father Abraham? You know, and I'm one of, uh, have many sons, I'm one of them. We are his descendants. The Bible tells us that every person who bows the knee to Jesus Christ is part of the family of Abraham. Something to consider, and I'm going to close in prayer, is we won't see what God has for us until we go and look. It may work. It may fail. But God says, trust me. Step out and go. No matter what happens, our faith is pleasing to God. This is crucial. 
God is calling you to do something in your family and in a relationship. You know, we have the step of faith in our church that we're in the midst of of making as we move forward and what God has for us. But some of you are in a step of faith with your family right now. Should I take this job? Should I ask this girl to marry me? Should I, should I break off this relationship because it doesn't honor God, because it's causing me to compromise? I'm living in Egypt, and God says, get back to Bethel. Some of you, it's time to step in faith and watch what he will do. And we will make, Abraham made a ton of more mistakes, but you know what he never stopped having? Faith, that's right. So here's the truth about our faith. We learned from Abraham three things. And we're done. And that is, God doesn't care about your qualification. He cares about your heart. Like Abe, your past, your family, your skills are not qualifications. It's only by the grace of God. God sees the heart and is looking for those who will step out in faith. Number two, God sees things that you don't see and knows things that you don't know. (laughs) I'm thankful for that because we only see in part what God has for us here and in eternity. So don't get all caught up on what you see because God knows things You don't know. We don't know why this whole thing happened this last week, but maybe God is protecting us from just a disastrous event that will happen in the coming months or or year. God is looking out for us. I have complete confidence in it. I'll tell you this. Before I announced it to our church on the Facebook on Wednesday, I announced it to our leadership team. And just, oh, I'll tell you what our leadership team is like. Overwhelmingly. And our church, when I posted on Facebook, overwhelmingly, People said, the Lord's will be done. Maybe this isn't what God has for us. Maybe he's protecting us. It was just constant encouragement, self-encouragement. I'm sure you were stepping out in faith. You're trying to be positive, but you know what? It shows a lot about where you're at with God, how we just got to trust that the Lord is in control. Third thing is that God has a plan for your life that is way beyond what you can imagine. We had a good idea with this, uh, with this space and sharing this space with the adult daycare. But you know what? God has a way better plan for us than what we can imagine. And what we do know does not compare with what it will actually be. So are you ready to step out in faith? There will be a lot of questions. There will be a lot of challenges. There will be greater sacrifice. Our integrity will be tested. The enemy will attempt to stop it and distract it. But we will be a barakah. We will be a blessing. We will see lives redeemed. We will see the restored of those who are broken and hurt. Young people, seniors, broken homes, broken lives, the lonely, the discouraged, the disenfranchised, uh, franchise made new in Christ, our 3D mission of helping people discover the hope and healing of Jesus to develop maturity in Christ and to be deployed into the world, into the community for Christ will be fulfilled. Our barakah will happen. Amen. The blessing we bring is a barakah blessing. Through Jesus, we will bring peace, we will bring grace, and we will bring the generous gift of life. So what we're going to do today is I want to... I want to play basically a video that's a summary of, of the entire Bible in five minutes. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to have, we're going to do offering and we'll watch this during the offering. And then after that video, we're going to end our time today with worship. We're going to praise, we do some worship. So do not leave. This is not the end. Okay. So I'm going to ask you to come forward. Sean, if you want to get ready to pray for the offering. Um, and then, uh, uh, 
And then we're going to, as soon as he prays, we're going to watch this video. And then after the video, uh, you know, if the band wants to begin to come up, we're going we're gonna to have a time of worship. And you know what we're going to sing? We're going to sing, Good, Good Father, because God is good. It doesn't matter what happens in our life. Our Father is a loving, caring, good Father, and He is good. You know, when I heard the news about this week about our landlord backpedaling on his agreement, I immediately thought, man, what a good God. What a good, good Father. It may not be the news I wanted, but I know my God is good, so we're going to be okay. Okay? All right. Let's pray over the offering. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this chance to just worship you. Uh, God, you are amazing. We know you are in control and you have a plan. Uh, God, we pray that part of this plan is that you take this money we're given today and you bless it. You multiply it and you use it in ways that we can't even think of yet, God, that you have uh, amazing amazing paths for us already set and you're going to use this to take us there. We thank you for who you are and what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. There is only one story that answers life's most essential questions and gives a lasting sense of purpose and meaning. It's the story that inspires all other stories. It's the true story that defines every one of us. This is that story. How did it all begin? Like all stories, this one begins in the beginning with the author, who is God. He spoke everything into being. With a word, galaxies appeared with stars and planets. Earth was designed for life to flourish. Everything God made was gloriously good and breathtakingly perfect. The highlight of God's creation was the first man and woman, Adam and Eve. God entrusted everything he created to his beloved children, giving just one rule. They were not to eat fruit from a specific tree. They lived in loving obedience, worshiping God as their heavenly father and enjoying perfect harmony with creation, each other, and God. Considering our world today, its obvious perfect peace didn't last. Turmoil, war, sickness, troubles. We each have our share. What went wrong? It started when a fallen angel named Satan grew jealous of God and determined to ruin the perfection of creation. Satan took the form of a serpent and enticed Adam and Eve to question God's goodness and rebel against his one rule. In disobedience, they ate the fruit and peace unraveled, ushering in sin and death, which still plagues us today. If we are honest, we are very much like Adam and Eve. We all rebel against our Heavenly Father, making our hearts heavy with fear, guilt, and shame. Our bodies are weary with sickness, disease, and death. Earth is afflicted with storms, calamities, and disasters. Even worse, sin has separated us from God, causing a permanent divide, a miserable separation called hell. The fallout of sin has been catastrophic. It's inescapable with no way to fix it, leaving us all to wonder, is there any hope? The love that prompted God to create us also prompted him to send a savior who would set everything right again. As centuries passed, God shared exact details of the coming savior's birth, life, and death. Everything in the Bible points to this rescuer. Almost 2,000 years ago, 
Jesus came to earth as God the Son to fulfill the promise. He was born miraculously, as his mother was a virgin. Just like us, Jesus grew up and experienced life on earth. But unlike us, Jesus never sinned and always obeyed the Father. When Jesus was in his 30s, he began teaching all around Israel, pointing people to God's kingdom and performing many miracles. After a few years, he was wrongly accused and sentenced to an agonizing death on a cross. Jesus lovingly gave up his perfect life as a sacrifice to pay for the sins of mankind. He died a perfect death, taking our place, the innocent for the guilty. But the grave couldn't hold Jesus. Three days later, God brought Jesus to life again. Jesus defeated sin by dying on the cross and defeated death by rising from the dead. Today, Jesus sits at God's right hand as king and judge over all creation. This is the story of rescue God has authored. He invites us, through repentance and faith, to make his story of rescue the one we trust in and live from. When we do, everything changes. And now, what will the future hold? For everyone who trusts in Jesus alone for rescue, God has promised to restore your heart and set you free from sin's hold. Because God is loving, kind, merciful, forgiving, tender-hearted, and true. God has also promised to make all things new. One day, there will be a new heaven and a new earth, forever free from sin. Everything that causes pain and sadness will be gone. God has also promised to be with us forever. The moment you trust in Jesus, your relationship with God is restored because Jesus has closed the divide sin caused. Getting to know this all-loving God starts today and continues forever. For God's story never ends. You can make God's story the foundation of your life even now by admitting your need for God's rescue, asking forgiveness for your sin, trusting in Jesus Christ alone to rescue you, following Jesus in faith from this moment on. This is God's story. Will you make it yours? for you right now as we are heading into a time of worship. If, if, uh, if that story resonated with you, let's just pray. Um, some of you, God is moving in your heart and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and uh, you recognize your need for a Savior. You recognize your need to be in relationship with the, with the Creator who cares and, and loves you. You've been living in Egypt and it's time to call out to the Lord to make your way back to climb that mountain. So, Father, I pray if there's anyone here, Lord, that you would move on their heart right now, right where you're sitting right now. We just take a moment just to call out to the Lord. Just call out to him, Jesus, I need you. If you'd like to have forgiveness of your sins, just tell him, God, ask him, Father, forgive me of my sin. I need you. Go to ask him. God, I I need you. Will you forgive me of my sin? Will you wash me clean through the blood of Jesus? God, forgive me. Fill my life. Fill my heart. I turn from myself. I turn to you, God.
go ahead and tell him, God, I give my life over to you. Jesus, take the reins of my life and lead me. Show me how. Go ahead, tell him, say, Jesus, fill me with your spirit and walk with me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Living with Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.